Welcome back to the Casey Adams Show. I am very excited to announce today's sponsor of the pod because if you don't know, over the past year, I have been taking my health very seriously from running my first marathon in Honolulu to getting an ice bath and plunging every single day to a product that I've been using every day. And that brings me to today's sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I consume AG1 daily, taking it before my morning workout, and it gives me the energy to tackle the day. AG1 Simplicity makes it a convenient supplement choice as it only requires one scoop of powder mixed with water daily. Each scoop is loaded with 75 top quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food ingredients that provide gut and mood support, increased energy, and improved skin, hair, and nail health. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Casey Adams. That's athleticgreens.com slash Casey Adams. Check it out and enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to the Casey Adams Show. Today, I am joined by a good friend and someone that I truly look up to when it comes to everything content creation, JT Barnett. Thank you so much for coming to the show, brother. What up, bro? I'm stoked to be here. This is going to be fun. Thanks so much for making this happen. I know we've been trying to make this happen for a while now, so... We have. Let's do it. You were in uh, Australia for the past handful of weeks. It's January 2023. How does it feel to be back? So good. I I think, like, I'm such a routine person, and, like, we've curated, similar to you, we've curated our home to be, like, a place where we just, like, feel like we're in our optimal routine. So, beginning of the year, I feel like you want to be... very cliche to say that you're like trying to like have a, a, a fresh start, but I feel like the beginning of the year you want to get off to a good foot. So I'm happy to be back now and be like back in our routine. I love that. It's so funny you say that because I, I interviewed this guy earlier and he was, we were talking about sports and how it relates to business and entrepreneurship. And he's like, you know, and he said like, oh, a cliche, but day one of the year or of the month is like game day, right? It's like where, when things are beginning, when the scoreboard starts and totally get that well. I'm excited to dive into to your story today. We've known each other for a while now. We've been working out a handful of times when you were here in LA. And it's just I've always been so amazed to to see how you do things when it comes to the content side of it and how you've built your business. But most importantly, like you as a person, one thing that I, I've been thinking about a lot is just this idea of, you know, success or views. They don't change you, they amplify you. And I, I feel like your message is such an important message to amplify and your content has done that so well. But Thank for you. everyone that doesn't or that may not know the type of content you put out and your business, I'd love for you to provide a high level overview of what it is that you do and the content you put out. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Um, the content that I put out is technically educational content. And th- I think the intersection of everything that I'm doing right now is is the intersection of, of business and people. And I think the... Um, and, and I think the the like uh, the nucleus of that is content because every person right now that is a creator is trying to become a business and every business is trying to act like a creator. Mm-hmm. So I think that like I've just kind of found myself like I really relate to people and I really enjoy meeting new people and like hearing what they're up to. And so now the fact that something that I have had skills at or knowledge at, which is content, can help the conversations that I'm showing up to has like made me really enjoy my work. So the content that I put out is all like educational content around literally the, the world of content. So how to monetize your account as a creator or or really 
take it seriously, which doesn't have to necessarily be monetizing, but just like how to take yourself seriously as a creator. But then on the flip side, it's also businesses trying to take them serious themselves seriously as a creator because most businesses are even more lost than a random <laughs> individual on the street. So yeah. it's the intersection of business and content and, and people. And, um, I'm like really enjoying it. And so I've had a lot of fun over the last couple of years getting to like put more stuff out there. That's so awesome. And you know, I, I, since we met just your whole philosophy on, on TikTok as a medium has, has been such an important part of what you talk about. And you've helped so many brands, not only dial in their TikTok strategy, but have helped creators work for different brands with what you do. When, when was it that you got on TikTok and what was your initial reaction and where do you see it today? Yeah, oh, dude, get the thing that got me on TikTok was probably seeing people like Gary Vee talk about it in like 2018. I think it was even like musically and he was saying it now just became TikTok. You guys should look at this. Um, and I, I'm a dude that just likes being on the cutting edge of things. I think that's something that I'm learning even more and more. I get very fascinated with cutting edge things. I, I learn by doing, mm -hmm. I can't just like read an article and then like absorb the knowledge. I have to like, I get like a spark from an article yep. or a, or a video or something. And then I'm like, I got to like test this out. Yeah. So I think I heard that and then I downloaded it and I was like, all right, let me check this out and see like, what is, what is this all about? And when I downloaded it, it everybody was already on it, Like Instagram was the thing at that time. It's 2018. Everybody's yep. like scrolling on Instagram, posting on Instagram. That was what I was doing. That was my career. And I scrolled on TikTok and I was like, fuck, this shit is like, so sorry for cursing. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this stuff is like, you're, you're, I'm leaving, I'm saving videos to my phone. I'm learning and I'm laughing a lot, like genuinely like laughing. And like, you don't get that as much. You weren't getting that as much on Instagram in 2018. Yep. I, I didn't feel like the stuff that I was consuming was making me feel like I was going to school. I was seeing like friends and stuff, but it honestly, like it was very like, if anything, it was making me feel worse. It wasn't making me feel better. TikTok, when I would scroll and I would feel better. And so that was the first thing that intrigued me. Then everybody was talking about the organic reach. So it was like, you could post a random video and get a million views in yeah. 2008. I literally posted a video. I played hockey, so I have a retainer. I literally posted a video of my retainer, me losing my retainer and finding it again. <laughs> and it got like 400,000 views. And I was like, this is, this is odd. Like first I was like, is this fake? But then I was like, but these are like real comments that are coming in too. So this has to be real. So then I started taking it a little more serious, started posting a little bit more. And then lo and behold, I was like, I had like kind of the epiphany of like, this is real. Yeah. This is not a joke. This is something that I want to really pay attention to. And that was when I decided to start taking it serious. Wow. It's so crazy. And I feel like things just changed so fast from 2018 to now. And like that truth of TikTok is the next thing, as you said with Gary, like that's when I first heard about it 2019 and it's been crazy to see it, it take over. But I, I want to dive into your background. You know, you, you, you put out a post recently on LinkedIn talking about your career as in as a hockey player. Where for those that might not know about your journey, you you moved out at fifteen, if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. What was that journey like in your life? Why did you move out at fifteen, and how was hockey? Why was hockey such an important part of your life? Yeah. Um, so my dad was a hockey player who retired and then became a hockey executive, first an agent and then an executive. Um, and so when I was born, I was literally like born on the skates. I was born in Los Angeles, but I was born like to be, I was born and was immediately like kind of like ushered into playing hockey and I fell in love with it. And for most people, if, especially if you're in the, in the United States at that point, college hockey was not 
equal to the hockey that you could find in Canada. So you have to make a decision. Do you go to college and play in the U.S.? Or do you go and play what's considered semi-pro in Canada, which is age 15 to 20? And a lot of players in the U.S. will risk it. They'll forego college and they'll go play in Canada because there's a higher percentage of those players that go to the NHL. And so when I was getting closer, I got when I was getting closer to that age, at around age 13, I got drafted to go to that at league. 13? Yeah, you get drafted at 13, bro. That's and I'm crazy. like, and I my brother right now is is a, is around that age uh, or getting closer to it. And I look at him like literally like he's a baby still. <laughs> and I and it's just crazy yeah. for me to um it's crazy for me to think about like that that was the age that I was at when it happened. So you're I'm around 13, I get drafted. And then at 15 is when you actually can go and play. You can start playing at 15. So towards the end of my 15-year-old year, I moved up there. Wow. And I was talking about this from, before. From L.A.? I was living in Arizona. LA. So oh, I grew yeah. up in Los Angeles, and then I moved to Arizona when I was 10. And from 10 to 15, I lived in Arizona. Um, and it's just crazy how it happens because for me, it was really challenging. It was, a, it, it was so bittersweet because it was so shitty in the sense of I'm leaving my family and I have five brothers and sisters and I'm close with all my brothers and sisters and I'm close with my mom and my dad and I love my friends like you see me here like I love I love people you got your squad I got my squad and I love hanging with people and I love like meeting people so I had that in Arizona I had like a good group of people but I also loved hockey and I loved what I was doing and I loved the pursuit of trying to fulfill that dream that I had as a kid so I moved away at 15. I decided I decided to go. And when I left at 15, it was really tough. So you move you moved to Canada. You really you literally like show so you're, up. You're in high school at this point. I did my freshman year in Arizona. I left after my freshman year. So I wow. left going into my sophomore at, in freshman summer. I knew I was moving away. So yeah, so also That's crazy. I had just met a bunch of people freshman year. I yeah. love my school. I love my friends. I love like the new groups that I'm hanging out with now. And like everybody knows like high school, if you have a good experience in high school, like high school is a fun time of your life. Yeah, it's like foundational so, of what you learn, the people, experience, for sure, everything. For sure. So I I left and I and the Canadian and for most Canadians it's it's um it's not like a rite of passage, but it's just so much more normalized because hockey's so big there that it's like yeah. a lot of guys will leave their hometown and move to a different city in Canada. Yeah. Granted, most of them aren't leaving the country, but they're moving to a different city to go live with like a billet family or a host family to pursue their, their career. It's like a normal thing. Wow. Um, and so that was what I did. Um, and I ended up playing from 15 to 20. And I, and uh, I'll, I'll say this, like it was, it was foundational for me because I learned so much about myself and about the things that I wanted and the things that I didn't want in those years and I wouldn't trade it for I wouldn't trade it for anything. I would do it all the exact same way, even though it was really tough leaving family and all of that. Yeah. Because I got to pursue something that I love and ended up actually achieving that. And so it was worth it. But yep. yeah, it was definitely a challenge leaving family at fifteen. That's that's crazy. Cause I um I play I grew up playing hockey as well. I put on a pair of skates at three, but mainly roller hockey, then I played ice and coming from Virginia, I actually have two friends now that I played with that ended up making it to the NHL, one's on the Rangers. And then one recently got drafted, but I like thinking about that process and like the commitment it takes, like it's exactly what you're talking about, right? It's like traveling and moving to different cities to pursue this different opportunity at 13. When you get drafted, like and we haven't like dove into this before as friends, you know, we've known each other for so long. Like, was that your, like, did you want that at the time in terms of like, Hey, I'm, I'm 10, I'm 11, I'm 12. Like, did you know that at 13 you're going to get drafted and you have to make a decision to leave high school at 15? Like, was that 
in your plan or wh- like, what were you thinking back then? Cause like, that's such an early age, as you're saying, to make a decision to leave the, co- not only leave the state or leave your hometown or leave your family, but leave the country. And I think it speaks volumes to like how you are now as a person and, and what that experience did for you in your life. Yeah, dude, it's fun. This is, this is the thing that I ha- I've talked a lot about in therapy because I've, I've been trying to like, I've tried to like understand it and be like, did I really want to leave or did I want to stay? Bro, I think I wanted to leave. Like, I think that (laughs) I, I, I really think that I, I love my group of friends and I love my, my home base and all of that. But I think that there was a part of me that knew that it was something that I needed to do because I really wanted to pursue the career. Mm -hmm. And so even though I was 13 years old and it, there's it's there's a debate that like it should be up to me or not like my parents had the say on it yeah um I know that I genuinely wanted to pursue it I don't think that I was conscious of how challenging it would be leaving family like I don't yeah. think that that was pro- that was I was aware of that but I I wanted to go I was ready for it wow no, that, that's that's crazy and like when you were away how often were you seeing family were you traveling back often did they come to you or what did that process look like yeah so dude this is where i'm like it's it's crazy because i my family visited me one so you get a christmas break mm-hmm. my family visited, visited me one time other than the christmas break so i saw them twice throughout that and you're gone for about eight nine months wow so you see them twice um my dad maybe came up like by himself because my dad traveled still for hockey so he would come up periodically but i didn't see my brothers and sisters more than maybe one or two times per year those five years wow um, and I didn't see any of my high school friends other than that Christmas break and then summer. So the Christmas breaks like a couple of days. Um, so it's just, it's not like dire circumstances yeah. where it's like I was in a, you know, a, a prison cell or anything. <laughs> and granted I was, and I was like pursuing something that I love, but the, but as a person, as like a young kid who is like so emotionally connected to all of the things that I was, it was a, a thing that was challenging for me and for my youth and for my development. Yeah. Um, but I say all that to say, dude, I like, I look at everything as like, it hap- it's happening for you. Like, I really believe that everything that's happening is happening for you. And so as much as I could complain about like the circumstances I was in, any circumstance that I was in has led me to where I'm at right now. So I'm like, fuck it. It was for me. It happened for me. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad that it happened. Oh, that's great. I, I love the quote. It's like, things don't happen to you. They happen for you. For sure. Spot on. So w- when did this idea of pursuing a career, social media content. When did you even start thinking about wanting to do that? You know, you're 15 to 20, you're playing hockey. How did you transition and and what sparked that transition or creative mind to say, Hey, I want to go do content, get into social media. The three things I was passionate about as a kid were creativity, sports, and the internet. Let me break these down. The creativity stuff was my parents put me in all music instruments since that time I was like three. Piano, wow. guitar, drums, bass, everything. I played all of it growing wow. up. Um, I was an artistic kid. I liked like making art. Like I liked like messing around and painting and just doing different things, drawing different stuff like that. Um, and I liked making, I liked using cameras and video. So I liked filming like little videos of my friends and and um, taking photos and stuff like that. So creativity, sports, obviously hockey. And that was like my number one thing. And then the internet, like when I was, like I'm, I was born in 1992, so by the time I'm getting into like fifth, sixth grade, like like AOL and AOL Instant Messenger was a thing. MySpace was a thing. You were on MySpace? 
dude, MySpace was my foundation. Uh, I didn't, I didn't MySpace know that. was my foundation. So, <laughs> so my old, I have a, I had a brother that was four, I have a brother that's four years older than me. And he, uh, like showed me like what the internet was and I became like super fascinated with it. So like LimeWire and Napster, uh, yeah. MySpace, um, AOL instant messenger, those were all things that I spent a ton of time on. So then you look at like the trajectory of, then I move away from home and now I can't be in the same proximity as people, but I can be on the internet with those people with things like MySpace and instant messenger and all of those. So it makes sense to me why I fell in love with social media then because it was my way to connect with all the people back home still. So I would be yeah. like at the rink with all my team. Then I would leave and I would log on to Facebook or MySpace, and I would be like, I'm back. Like I'm with the, I'm like in the same kind of group chats and all of that with them. So that was the thing that led me to, so that was the thing that led me to social media. And then by the end of my career, Instagram had come out. And when Instagram came out, it was the first visual platform that you could actually build a career off of. Before that, there was things that you could post on. Facebook had created likes so you could actually get like recognition, but people weren't doing as many like brand deals and stuff on Facebook. You didn't see influencers on Facebook. You would follow yeah. your friends. Instagram became the first thing that you actually would see people that you didn't know living a lifestyle that you could follow and engage with and like actually like keep tabs on. And so I saw that. And then towards the end, like the last year of my career, my girl, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my fiance started building an Instagram profile and like actually like building a career off of it in wow. fitness, health and wellness. And so I saw it being done firsthand as a career. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh, so she was, Sammy was doing this and you saw what she was doing from a social media perspective. Yeah. So I, I, had, I had already, I had already been doing Instagram myself and I was, I was always the guy on my team, like again, growing up a yeah. creative internet and sports. So I was always the guy on the team that brought those two other areas to the locker room. I was the guy that introduced people to Twitter on the team, introduced <laughs> people to, to Snapchat, which showed them what it was. I was the guy that was talking about different things creatively. I was messing around with clothes and making different designs. And so I would, I would show them like Instagram and then I would start posting on Instagram and I would talk about like the things that I'm into. And like, I would document a little bit of my hockey career, not, to the extent that I wish that I would have because hockey's very kind of conservative mm -hmm. and like you just don't you just yeah. don't brand yourself that that much. <laughs> so I wouldn't post like everything about my career, but I would post enough to where in the hockey world people kind of took notice that I was the hockey guy that did a lot on Instagram. So then I met Sam and I was still doing a lot of that stuff and then she was already doing it from a, more of a modeling lens but she had a big background in health and wellness. She was really interested in it. So she started doing it in health and wellness and just saw it, I saw it click. I saw it start to build. I saw her take it seriously and what could happen if you did take it seriously. And then when I saw that, I was like, I'm good. Like I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm at the point in my career where I'm good. I'm good to be like to close this door and move into something else. And then content became the whole thing. Wow. I'm curious when you say open, you know, close that door. I think that's such a powerful moment that it happens in, in people's lives, right? Like for me, when I got injured as a football player neck brace for six months that was a door that just slammed shut in my face I got injured and the rest is history and I could never play football again I just had to stop and it just really created this new path of or like you know that opened up this new door of opportunity of like where do I spend my time what do I want to consume content etc um, when you talk about that transition of closing that chapter and taking it seriously what were some of the early things that you did 
from a social media perspective that laid the foundation of how you think about it when it comes to maybe people you follow or influences that like people that influenced you and more so the content that you started putting out back then when you were just getting started. Cause I think, you know, people watching this or listening, see your content today and it's like, Oh wow, a whole production and you have all these like epic edits and you're so consistent. Like where did that start? Yeah. I think, um, like you were just saying when the, when a door is closed, for some people, it's like the slam of a door and it's a single moment. And then for other people, it's like it kind of like halts to a stop and there's like multiple. It's like a bumpy stop. <laughs> so for me, it was kind of like a bumpy stop. It wasn't just like a I'm done with hockey. I'm ready. It was like when I got done playing in Russia, I was like, you, well, you played in Russia. I played in Russia. I didn't know that. My last my second to last year, I was playing in Russia oh and I was playing God. for the Russian army. And this is the equivalent of the NHL. So I'm at like the a high it's like the oh, highest of the well, high I for me. Did, wow. Yeah. So I was like, uh, so I played four years in the U.S. and then I went overseas and played in Russia for my fifth year. And the Russian team was like a step up from where I was playing in the U.S. It's the equivalent of the NHL. And when I was wow. over there, it was like, oh, I've reached like the pinnacle. So like, like I can check this box that like I've I'm not gonna play in the NHL, but I'm gonna play. I played in. I can say I played in something that was the equivalent of it in Russia, which is the next best league in the world. And when I got there. I checked that box, but I was like hungry. I was like, oh, I'm going to like, I think I could play in this league at least for a couple more years, or I could go back in the U S and take another crack at the NHL or at least the next league below it. I went back home. And again, this is like the grind, like the halt to stop. I went back home and my agent was telling me that he was going to have a contract for me. So the whole summer I'm like ready that I'm going to get a contract. I was like in touch with him. He's like, we're going to be good. Don't worry about it. By the end of the summer, there was no contract. And we hadn't prepared for anything the next leagues below. So not only did I not get a contract in any of the top leagues in the U.S., but even the next leagues below were like, hey, we've already allocated all of our budget. We've already like yeah. signed all these guys. We have a full roster. Like You can come and try out. So I went from being in the top league in Russia to coming back to the U.S. and having to try out in a lower league. And it was wow. like, a, and that, that again is like one kind of like one of the bumps in the stop. Yeah. I was like, ah, all right. Like I've scratched the itch that I wanted to scratch. Like, I'm not enjoying this. I don't want to play in a lower level again. Like maybe this is like intentional. And again, it's happening for me. Maybe this is like the fucking time for me to stop and like mm -hmm. try something else. So I, I ended up going to one of those tryouts. And when I was at the tryout, the team was like, look, dude, like we like you a lot. But like we literally can't afford your budget and we can't afford your contract. And we have too many people like we can't keep you. So I got cut from one of the lower level teams. Wow. So, bro, I'm just going from yeah. like, boom, 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 like rejection, rejection, wow. rejection, rejection. And to the point where I was like, all right, like maybe I'm just going to stop right now and not even try it again. And then I got a call to go to France. And when I got a call to go to France my last year, France is like a very like casual league. It's not like a it's like more like guys go play. They have fun. They tour. They travel a little bit. And it's not like you're progressing anymore. So when I got that call, I was like, all right, this is the end for me. I'm going to go to France. I'm going to, I'm going to play. I'm going to have fun while I'm playing, check out a cool country and I'm going to be able to work in the time that I'm not playing and I'm going to figure out what I do next. Mm. So that year I had already met Sam. So I okay. went to France our whole first year of dating. I was living in France. So we no did way. long distance all year one. No way. Yeah. She visited me one time while I was over there. So we saw each other. We, we hung out before I went over there. Um, I was gone for, I think I was gone for six months and she came and visited me in the middle. So for about four months at some point, we didn't see each other. Um, and then I, and then like, that was when I, during that time in France was when I was watching, she was doing Instagram. She was like 
really taking it serious. She was like, this is going to be a business. I'm not going to, I'm not messing around with this. I want to take it serious. I'm going to have a schedule. I'm going to like treat myself right. I'm going to like take care of this. I'm going to work with the right people. And I saw her build a business in literally a span of a year. And so it made the, it definitely made the segue for me of like being done with hockey easier, seeing it be done. And then when I was done, I was like, cool, I'm coming back. I love working out. I love training. That's been a big component of my brand. I'm going to come back. I'm going to work out really hard. I'm going to film all my workouts. I'm going to post workouts. I'm going to get brand deals. And that's going to be the the money that I make until I figure out what I really want to do. That was what I did. Wow. I did not. Wow. So France, Russia, any other countries that you played in? Um, when you're in Russia, you play in China. You play in. Wow. Uh, so I played in all the, all the countries that you play in Russia. China, um, Kazakhstan, um, that's crazy. Ukraine. Yeah. Like all, like all the ones that are surrounding there, but yeah. I lived in Russia and I lived, um, in France. Wow. That's, that's actually insane. I didn't know all of that. Yeah. So how did you and Sam meet? Um, Sam and I met through Instagram. Okay. I knew people that she knew. So it wasn't like, a, I have no problem admitting that I sent her a message. Um, cause I think that's literally how everybody meets now. Yeah, and I have no shame in that at all, but that's so great. I knew, I knew, I knew who she was through people. We had mutual friends, but we had never met. So I sent her a message and when I sent her a message, I was in the Russia era. So I was literally like wow. no interest in having like a serious relationship. I genuinely was like looking at looking for, for like I was looking to like be friends and she had posted something. She was, she, she posted herself getting baptized. And at that point I was like involved in the church. And so I was like, this is really cool. Yeah. And she, uh, and so we started talking like very casually, we stopped talking for a little bit. I went through the whole thing of like my hockey, like really ending. And then when I came back to the U S she had, we ended up meeting up in person and then that was it. Wow. That's so cool. How long has it been now? Cause you guys got engaged and almost, uh, I think we're going on seven years. Wow. Congrats. Thank you. It's so exciting. It's been so cool to see. Thanks bro. You guys, since we've known each other, dude, I think like, I honestly feel like relationships are relationships are it, bro. Relationships are the core of everything. And I'm not just talking about like the significant other, which I think is like the most important relationship that you pick. But friendships and relationships with your family and relationships with your community, relationships with the content that you watch and the people that you follow, relationships are the driving factor of your life. And so for me, I continually get another example of that every day that I live. I'm like, dude, this person has been impactful to my life. Or like Sam, like been enormously impactful to my life. The people that I consume the content from, I'm like, these people that I follow, they're like genuinely helping my life. Mm-hmm. So I just look at like everything as like relationships are a very core part of what I do, which is why I have the importance of them that I have. I love that. And, you know, I think it speaks volumes to just what you do. For example, I know like when we first started hanging out a lot more here in LA, you've been hosting like coffee meetups at Little Lunch and, you know, you did the, the home workouts. We'd all get a whole group of guys come over. And you've always been such a community builder in my eyes as, as a friend now. And you're so great at it and it just comes so natural, at least, you know, to me looking inward and maybe that, you know, to, to build that up. But why and when have, did you really start taking community seriously? Because you've built an incredible community on, on social. I literally, I'll see your content of friends sharing it on their story and talking about certain topics and people just feel a part of it in terms of what you're building and how you're building it. Why is community so important to you? And when did you start taking that part seriously? I think it was instilled. Community was instilled with me because I was a middle child of a big family. Ah. So middle child of a big family, you're always playing the like, 
you're you're you don't want to side with one side you don't want to side with the other so you're kind of the mediator and you want everybody to kind of be happy so you kind of just like you're you're looking out for other people you want to like appeal to other people's needs and like bring people together so a lot of middle a lot of middle childs are kind of like the glue they kind of like pull people together so i think that that was my initial uh uh yeah. test at it but then i think as i got a little bit older i genuinely found that i loved people like i enjoyed I just get like some, my body lights up when I meet somebody that's doing that something that I find cool or has a unique trait to them or a unique personality. Like I, I genuinely feel like, like a fuck yeah energy. Like, fuck yeah. Like this person's cool. Like it's fucking great to meet you. And so that has lit me up. And, and I think that, um, the, I also kind of like the same in line with my business. I like strategy. So I like seeing people a group of people recognizing their skill sets, knowing other people that they might mesh with based on those skill sets and strategizing. How can I get these two people together? It like comes to me very naturally. And so I think that that's something that's been really fun for me in Los Angeles is like now a lot of the people that we meet are working in same fields and are so like-minded. Like I've been so, so grateful to meet so many people in LA that have been genuinely incredible people. So opposite of what the connotation to Los Angeles is. (laughs) And so when I meet people, I'm like, dude, it's so great to meet you. You got to meet this person. You need to come to something like little lunch to one of these yeah, meetups yeah. or a workout because you're going to vibe with this person. You guys are going to hit it off. Yeah. No, it, so when it comes to creating community is something like, like little lunch or doing the at home workouts, when did that become a priority in your life? And what has that you know turned out to be or the outcome of doing things like that for you? Yeah, I think like the, when you think back to like, our ancestors and the tribes and how just like everybody was like so close knit and everybody looked after each other. I honestly feel like internally I'm trying to build some sort of tribe wherever I'm at that. It's like everybody (laughs) knows each other. And my long-term vision with this is like one of my biggest purposes I think is when I'm going to be a dad. And one of the things that I really want is like, I don't, I don't want the life of like a dad or, or I don't want the life of a dad to be just with my wife and our kids and be estranged from everybody else in our community and be estranged from all of our friends. My vision is like, I want my kids to grow up seeing all of my friends around and seeing the relationships that I have with them and how they're impactful and them knowing my kids. And I think that that is like, and I, and I think that that's very valuable to a kid to, to witness. And so I want, I, I just kind of feel like I want to build a tribe and it doesn't need to be like actually like a formal thing, but I just like, I feel like that. Like I'm looking, I'm always like wanting more people to come into the community and like meet them. And so the way that it started in Los Angeles was I, Sam's group of friends during COVID, I, I actually like majority of my group of friends during COVID left. So I didn't have like that same group of friends. So I kind of was like, I'll go hang out with your friends and like see what they're up to. And I ended up meeting um, Casey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I met Casey, he, had already known other people that I knew. So we had mutual friends, one of them being Dan. And I was already working out with Dan through another friend that I didn't even know any of them were connected. And so they were, they (laughs) knew each other. So then I was like, let's hang out the three of us. And then we hung out the three of us. And then Sam and them knew Amanda who Amanda and Jared were the founders of little lunch. So we were like, why don't we support them one day and like go and check out their cafe. And I have been doing these things on Saturdays because I don't drink, I don't drink alcohol that often. And a lot of the people that I was hanging out with before would go to bars on Saturdays and watch college football and drink. Mm. 
So I'd be like, I don't really feel like doing that. What do I do? So I started taking meetings on Saturdays. Be like, if people want to meet and they're free <laughs> on a Saturday, let's do it. I yeah. would like, back up meetings, like do, 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 do. And I would start doing them where I would walk. So I would go on Abbott Kinney and I would meet somebody at 10 a.m. and I would walk with them back and forth and we would chat. Then I would stop and at 11 a.m. I would meet another person. I would walk back and forth <laughs> and I would do it 10 a.m., 11 a.m., 12 a.m. I, I would literally be there till like 2 p.m. and I would have five meetings and I would have walked like 15, 16,000 steps just pacing back and forth on Abikini, Wow. taking meetings because it was some, I wanted to make my Saturday productive yeah. and I would, and I didn't feel like drinking and I wanted to do something that would benefit me. So I'm out in the sun, I'm walking, I'm taking meetings. I got to meet some incredible people. And at the end of that, literally towards the end of that span, Jared and Amanda had started Little Lunch, which is at the end of Abikini. Ah. So they were like, why don't you come and park at, at Little Lunch and then walk out bikini from little lunch. So I went there and we started, I start, it started with that. I started parking there and walking out bikini, taking my meeting still, and then ending back at little lunch. But then it ended up being like the person I would meet with, would we get there and be like, do we need to walk? Let's just sit. <laughs> so we just started sitting. So then it just started being like, let's just sit and take a meeting. And then the next person would come and it'd be like, now there's three of us. And it just kind of like organically developed into like more and more people coming. And then I started actually like really endorsing it and being yeah. like, yo, come to little lunch. You need to meet people at little lunch. Yep. Now the, the, the stuff with little lunch is now we're actually trying to find our own place to like really brand it and like really do it. Um, but I still am trying to like organize meetups consistently and like just meetings of people that are just good people. Yeah. So powerful. Like the way you've done that over time. And I think like for me, a, a version of that is the podcast, right? Like bringing people together and having conversations with people. It's always been such a, important vessel of my life that just creates so much that you can't even predict, right? When it comes to just interacting with more people for really no intention, but to get to know them and see if there's anything that you can help them with. Right. For sure. Um, I, I want to talk about and then shift the conversation, just all things creator economy. I know you've, you have so many interesting views on it and you are such a huge advocate of where the creator economy is going. And of course, if you're in the space, you see all the time, polarizing opinions of, you know, creator economy is booming. Sometimes you see like, oh, funding's drying up for certain things. What is your overall stance right now on all things creator economy moving into 2023? I think anything that gets overhyped eventually has some sort of correction. So I think that creator economy as a whole will have a little bit of a correction because last year, and I would say for the last like two, three years, it's been so hyped up that there's been so much money poured into it without the understanding of what creators actually need mm. and what they actually want. Yeah. And so there's been a lot of companies that have been built that are tools and products for creators that creators don't even need. Like you don't need that much as a creator. A lot of the stuff that I talk about is like literally film it on your iPhone, edit it on your iPhone, you're good. You can be a popular creator doing that. Yeah. So a lot of the, the stuff that has been built, whether that's, whether that's tech or hardware or a physical good or whatever it is, a lot of it isn't, hasn't been needed. So now we're starting to see like, it's going to tip back a little bit to where it's like, what is the stuff that creators actually need? And what is the stuff that creators can actually provide that companies need or that the world needs that creators can provide? The main thing for me is every creator that is able to build a community that genuinely cares about them will withstand it all. They'll be okay. They will withstand it all. They'll make it through. If they have, a, uh, if they actually have people that care, genuinely care about them, they will make it through. You will see a lot of these viral creators, enormous creators on every platform that have, that have been popularized because they were affiliated with a certain topic 
when that topic goes out of style, that creator is not going to be popular anymore. Yeah. They're going to need to pivot or you just won't see them as much. So what I look at and what I try to tell people is like, get clear on who you are, get clear on the stuff that you genuinely care about and then post that and like push that because if you get people that care about you for those reasons, then you actually have genuine followers that will follow, follow you around the different things that you care about. Yeah. But if you just are do, if you just appeal to, and you just follow the trends or the numbers, it's just a flash in the pan. It's just something that you, that you might get it for a second, mm -hmm. but it's not authentic to you. So then it's gone in a moment. Yep. Or as soon as that trend is gone or the thing that you try to ride is gone, you're gone. Yeah. You know, that, that's powerful. And like, speaking of, you know, building off of authenticity of who you are, where do you recommend people start nowadays? You know, there's so many different pieces of advice where, you know, post X amount of time, start on TikTok, go all in on this platform, try to do everything. But there's, there's so much to do as a creator, right? Like if you actually want to do it, like the best creators, like you look at someone like Gary Vee, like he has a team, you know, 30, 40, 50 people that are operating things from the blog to the podcast to TikTok <laughs> to LinkedIn, just it's a whole operation. Where do you suggest people start if they are listening to this podcast and they're saying, hey, I want to start creating content moving into this year, but there's just so much to do. Where do I begin? I think to start out as a creator today, I would pick one platform that I feel I'm the most natural with. All of them, if you're good enough, you will get organic reach. Even though Instagram reels and TikTok and YouTube shorts might have like optimal organic reach right now where it's just super organic and easier if you are talented and you have something to share that the audience will want to watch you will get the organic reach on these other platforms so pick one that you feel comes most natural to you if that's writing write you do twitter you could do linkedin if that's photographs take photos if it's video do video if you like talking to the camera talking to the camera or do a podcast but like pick one that comes natural to you and try to master that, try to go really hard in that and build an audience in that because it's much easier to take one really, really engaged audience and push them into other places than it is to build on every single thing simultaneously as one person. Mm. When you get to a place like Gary or like Alex Ramazzi is doing right now, yeah. when you get to that place and you have a team around you and you have funds to back it up and like really build, then yes, you can take on all these platforms simultaneously because you have somebody that's taking one thing and redistributing it contextually. Yeah. But when you're by yourself, like to try and take on three, four, five platforms and go hard into them, it's that's five different psychologies that you have to be thinking about every single time that you're posting. It's just too hard. Pick one, go hard into it, and then you can redistribute. When it comes to picking one, obviously, I know you talk a lot about TikTok. What, what do you think the current state of, of TikTok is versus something like two years ago? Like, how has it changed? How has it shifted? And do you see it continuing to, you know, shift over time? Or just what's your overall thesis on how, how a brand or an individual should think about TikTok moving into this year? TikTok's going through a little bit of a change right now because us as consumers are going through a little bit of a change right now. That's happening because for the last two years, we've all been obsessed with these discovery style feeds. Mm -hmm. We were on Instagram for so long, seeing the same bland friends and just people that we knew. And we wanted something that was interest based. That was stuff that we didn't know, but that we thought we wanted or that we would enjoy like a stumble upon kind of style of content. Yep. 
So TikTok comes out and it provides that and all of a sudden everybody's hooked on it because it's like, this is refreshing. This is fun. I didn't know I, what this, I didn't know this person before and now I'm finding new people and I'm not having to just see the people that I see on the street every day. Yeah. So it becomes addicting and everybody is now spent two years where all you're doing is scrolling on a feed where you don't know the people and you're getting new stuff every day. There's a tipping point where that becomes tiresome and you get kind of like, burned out of just always seeing new things that you don't have a real deep relationship to. And so I think there'll be a tip back. And this is where I'm saying that it's going to go through a little bit of a shift. There'll be a tip back towards wanting to genuinely know the person that you're and choose the people that you're following. That doesn't have to be friends and family that could be creators, but there's going to be a tip back towards following and getting to being able to consume content of your choosing that can be on TikTok. Right now, it's not because they haven't, in my opinion, they haven't done a good enough job of of productizing the following page or the other pages that you see the people that you already are following. Yep. That could be on YouTube with like actually searching people. Um, that could be on Instagram, but I think people are still, ha- people still have a little bit of like a, uh, a guard up against Instagram right now. So I don't know. I think we're like right now, we're kind of in a limbo. If you asked me this a year ago, I'd be like, TikTok is the place where everybody is scrolling and consuming and loving. Mm -hmm. I think right now we're going through a little bit of shift where people are kind of wanting to crave a little bit more of a relationship with the person that's on that end of the screen. That could be TikTok. Maybe some people are enjoying the following tab. That could be Instagram reels or Instagram, but it could be also short YouTube shorts, but YouTube shorts is also a very um, discovery style of feed. So that's the way that that's my prediction for this year is people will go back to trying to find a little bit more relationships um, and hopefully in my opinion, like because I love the platform, hopefully TikTok does a good job of productizing that. So it keeps people yeah. on the platform and gets them to consume the people they want to consume. That's so interesting. Like hearing that perspective from you, I haven't even heard that said, like you just said it. No, that, that's very, very, it powerful. came to me like, a, it came to me like two weeks ago. I'm like, why? Cause I, I love TikTok. Why do I not? And why am I not enjoying this? It's just like scrolling oh. and scrolling and scrolling. And I was like, ah, uh, I actually feel like I like, I'm not wanting to see brand new things every day now. I actually want to see similar people. Like I like I followed so many people that I love their content. Yep. I want to see their content. Yep. And I want to see that that the stuff that I from people that I know. So if I'm feeling that way, for sure other people are feeling that way. And then that kind of clicked for me. I mean, I can back that up for sure. Like I, I go on TikTok, but I I I still use Instagram and I have used Instagram way more just in terms of like I I like what I get and I I like who I follow and it's like a a sense of like you know what you're about to get. Mm-hmm. On TikTok I, I love it as like an exploratory type of platform but yeah no I, I think you're spot on with that. Uh, I want to talk about YouTube. You just launched a YouTube channel. Congrats. Thank you. What are you excited about about YouTube specifically and you know as a creator that's launching a new platform that's as you said previously that's you know, you've dominated TikTok. You have an incredible audience and community on Instagram. You do awesome things on LinkedIn. YouTube's this whole new path for you. Why did you decide to launch a YouTube channel now? And what excites you about it moving forward? There's two things that really excite me about it. The first and main thing is the longer the content is, the deeper you can go with the relationship. And there's and it's not just the length. It's also, there's another component of a YouTube video, which is that it's visual that podcasts don't have because podcasts are really long, but you can't see the person. So in a, unless it's a video podcast, but in a YouTube video where there's actual like visual to watch and audio and it's long, you can just, you can engage with the consumer so much deeper 
and build a relationship so much quicker than you can in a 60 second time frame on something like Instagram or shorts or TikTok. And so just the ability for me to spend longer time with the people that are following me, I'm really excited for because I think that I'm better with longer form. Mm. A lot of my thoughts and a lot of like the things that I talk about and the practices that I have are just really hard to digest in 60 seconds. Like it takes multiple times to hear about the way that I look at it or me to like explain why I look at it some way. Like we would like the way that I just got to that TikTok (laughs) idea of how I'm viewing this year took me like a minute and a half, two minutes to explain. Um, It's just, you, you can go deeper with longer format of content. So I'm really excited to go deeper. The second thing is, I'm really excited for the challenge because I now feel like having my experience with both Instagram and TikTok and and now just having a better grasp on the whole landscape of content, I feel like I'm at a place where I'm confident in me going into YouTube, YouTube and doing a really good job with it. So I want the challenge of will I understand that? Can I understand this platform and understand what it prioritizes and how to build on it? And can I build something and actually get people to notice so I'm really excited for that challenge. Um, and, you know, now we're a weekend. So here we go. Let's go. It's exciting. Yeah. What can the people listening or watching expect from your YouTube channel if they haven't checked it out already? The It'll be a lot of educational content at first, like a lot of like searchable things that you'll want to know. Like like I'm, I'm really intrigued right now in finance and in, in, into like credit cards. And I think mm-hmm. creators don't understand finances for the vast majority of them. So how to like set up a business as a creator, an LLC or, or what credit cards to use with that business. Um, obviously I will also talk about content strategies since that just comes. So that's just like a natural thing that I integrate. So like what platforms and why and how to use them, that'll be another thing, but it'll, it'll start with searchable stuff, but then I want it to phase into stuff about me. I think that just like high level, the way that I think on YouTube is, I think I first want to build a little bit where people don't necessarily need to know me to find my content valuable, Mm -hmm. but once they find it valuable, then they want to know me. Yeah. So the first thing is I want to provide a lot of value. So I'm learning what the stuff is that people really are trying to figure out and I'm going to give them that. Once I give them that, I'm going to say, look, I do a lot more shit in my life. If you guys want to know about how I live, what I'm like, what I do at home, how we've built this house, how we've built my business, my wellness routine, my friend groups, like, I'll take this wherever. That's where I want to go. Yeah. But I'm going to take it there when my audience asks for it. So first it'll be searchable stuff. And then if any of you guys go and you want to see other stuff like that, ask me and then I'll take it there. I love that approach. Thank Very you. cool. A um, couple more questions, JT, before we wrap up. Like Thinking back on your career, content, hockey, and that transitionary point, if you were to give yourself a piece of advice, if you were restarting today with all things social, what would that advice be and why? I think at every age, the advice that I would give to every single age of myself would be get closer to yourself, put blinders on and listen to listen to your own intuition and follow that. Because I feel like there's so much noise and there's and especially with social media, there's so many different things telling you what to do and where to go and what way to do it, which can be good at a time. But I think a lot of people don't spend the time to actually get close to themselves, physically, mentally, spiritually, all of it, like really get close to yourself, work on yourself and then listen to like what your intuition is telling you because I I knew all this stuff was going to happen. Like literally if you would have, if I, when I was a kid, 
I knew I was going to be working with people. I knew I was going to be happy. I knew I was going to be building communities. I knew that I loved family and wellness and like all the stuff that I'm doing right now. If you would have asked me when I was 16, what am I going to do? It would have been that. Hockey would have probably been part of it as well. But the nucleus was always this. Even when I was playing hockey, the nucleus was still people. I loved mm-hmm. teammates. I was the guy yeah. on the team that loved teammates. So I would say the advice that I would give to everybody is like, take the time to get to know yourself and then listen to your intuition, listen to your gut, listen to like the, what if it's your higher self, whatever it is that the way that you look at it, like the best possible version of you, listen to that and then follow that. That's incredible. And you know, it goes back to what we were talking about before, or, uh, before we started the show, you know, you're, we have all these books around this room that we're recording in the studio and it's like for a time. And I have done this before as well. It's like, there's a, you reach a level of input and consumption that it's like, who am I really listening to? Is it six people put into one opinion that's formulating as my own? Or am I really listening to myself? For sure. And I, I think I fall into that trap every now and then as many people do where it's like, okay, I need to take a step back and not necessarily consume less, but just create my own thoughts and, and create it from a point of not, Oh, I got this idea from someone, which is great. But I, I think it's a powerful thing. What you just said is just like really listening to your intuition. Well, here's a fun fact. Information can become addicting because every single new piece, particularly self-help information can become addicting because every single new piece, new piece of information that you absorb is like the thing. This is the thing that's going to finally get me to the place that I've known I've always needed to be at. And so what ends up happening is you find what you think is the thing and then you only try it for a day until you see another thing. And then you see another thing. You're like, oh, but wait, I need to incorporate that thing. And it just becomes this cycle of self-help, of improvement, of like you're never at a place where you're actually like at the place that you want to be at and you're just always like searching for more. And so when I was reading a lot of books, I got to a point where I was like, I've literally said to myself like eight times, like, oh, that was it. That was the book. That was the book. Yeah. And you just kind of get to that point where I got to a point where I was just like, I'm going to put the books down and I'm going to see what happens when I'm not reading anything. And then that's when I started to like hear myself more and started to be like, oh, okay. Like there's things from every one of these books that are now instilled in me. And there's pieces of all of them that I'm super grateful for, but I'm not taking any book black and white. I'm listening to me. And then that's what I listen to. I love that. Well, before we wrap up here, last question is just moving into this year, moving into this year, what are you excited about and what are you looking forward to? Community is another one that I I really am excited to get back into the swing of our community in LA. I feel like the last couple of months with holidays and everything, people kind of travel and are doing their thing. So really excited for that. YouTube is something that I'm heavily, heavily excited for um, this year. And then the third thing would be, I'm getting married this year, so I'm really excited for that. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, Congrats. that's going to be really fun. Um, so I'm excited for the process of that and planning that with my fiance and like building that out as a project to like have a lot of fun with. And then um, we'll see what happens from there. So exciting. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, brother. Where is the best place that everyone listening or watching can follow you, can learn more about the YouTube and just stay along for your ride? Everything is J- at JT Barnett. Um, if you search that, you'll probably find me on YouTube. I think there's a period at the end of it because <laughs> that one was already taken, yeah. but, um, at JT Barnett, um, I always appreciate anybody that listens, send me a message. If there's literally anything I can help with, I'm here to help and grateful for having me on. Absolutely. And I'll make sure to link all that down below and everyone that's watching or listening. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And JT, once again, thank you so much.